Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. All right, guys, welcome to this special edition, I guess, of Alaska Watch. Uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, True Detective Season 4, Episode 1. Uh, I kind of went back and forth. I was like, ah, nobody really wants to hear me. Like, I've done movie reviews and stuff on there like that before uh, here on, on the channel. And and nobody really seemed to uh, to care. Like, they don't have, people don't really watch them. Uh, but I thought, well... If anything, you know, non-cryptid related, <clears throat> you know, like I think I did a review of like um, Godzilla, Ghostbusters, which technically, technically, I think those are probably could fall into the uh, the scope of what we talk about here. But uh, I thought if anything is going to fall into it, it's going to be this uh, True Detective season four. And I thought, how can I not talk about it? Because it's literally, so uh, this season, season four, takes place in Alaska. Uh, it's a mystery. Uh, there's a couple, there's a state trooper and a city cop working on uh, a mystery. And I thought, how can I not talk about that? Because I've literally lived it. Like I have, that was my life for like 15 years. You're literally getting uh, an overview of the show from someone who lived it. So I thought I've got, I've got to talk about it, right? I have to. <clears throat> uh, I've I've been pretty excited for for this ever since I saw the first previews for it. Uh, it definitely had a very uh, creepy vibe, uh, very um, ominous. You know, uh, the dark, the snow, the ice, uh, dead bodies and stuff, and and the cops standing around looking at, at stuff and oh, you know, like mystery. So I thought, man. <clears throat> This is going to be pretty cool. I want to check it out. And of course, there's that there's that morbid curiosity factor of where I'm like, how bad are they going to screw it up? Like, what are they going to get wrong? You know, especially since this is something I know a little bit about. Uh, how many mistakes am I going to be able to point out? Uh, you know, watch watch a movie with any uh, law enforcement or military veteran, and uh, eventually you'll hear that. <sighs> That's not how that works, or that's a bunch of bull. So <clears throat> I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this show uh, and try. I want to be entertained, but at the same time, I can't help but but keep a critical eye on it. So I thought, why not? You know, let's let's do an episode about it. Uh, I did a poll on on the X, formerly known as Twitter, and uh, uh, had a whopping hundred uh, percent votes that I should do this. Uh, 100% on Facebook said that I should do it, responded to the post. So I thought, I'm going to do it. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about this episode, just going to be about the first episode. And then when it's all done, I think there's six episodes, I think, in this season. Maybe, I don't think it's eight. I think there's like six episodes. And then when it's all done next month in February, um, I'll just do a, a basically an overview of the entire show. Uh, cause I'm not going to be able to do it week by week. 
because uh, I've got something coming up here. I'm going to be out of town. So anyway, I was very excited for the show. Couldn't wait for it to premiere. Uh, it's on HBO Max if you have that. Um, we've had that for a while. Uh, use it to varying degrees. Uh, it actually melded in with a bunch of like uh, there's you can watch travel channel shows and stuff on there because it didn't used to be that way. I actually, uh, for those of you who who follow me, know that I, I got pretty fed up with the travel channel and, and canceled my subscription and actually wrote an angry letter like Grandpa Simpson, uh, which got no response, by the way, and canceled my subscription to the travel channel, uh, whatever that was. I don't even remember. And lo and behold, like a year later, they like melded it with my HBO Max subscription. So now I have it whether I want it or not. <laughs> I couldn't get up. I, I tried to get out and they dragged me back in. So anyway, <clears throat> the other night got excited. Going to watch this show. Uh, sat down, turn it on. Uh, I got to say, I'm, I'm digging the vibe. Uh I'm not going to go through it beat by beat, but I'm just going to touch on some things that, that, um, I, I guess caught my fancy, uh, the very beginning, there's like a caribou herd and, uh, a native hunter stalking caribou herd. And just as he gets ready to take a shot, they all kind of like alert, look up, and then they apparently run off a cliff. It's not really super clear if that's what they do, but I, I think they're, they basically run off the cliff to their death. Uh, I think we're meant to, to get some, I, I think we're meant to think that there's some kind of like weird interference going on or so, something, uh, interferes with the caribou's like sense of direction or something. I, I don't know. I, I just got the feeling like there, there's some things that happen later on that I, I, I think kind of, kind of points in that direction. I'll get into it in a little bit, but um, one of the things that really got me about this scene was the, the caribou are all CGI. They're computer generated. They, they look very, there's a couple of scenes where they look, there, there was a couple of scenes where I'm like, was that a real caribou? Like, did they like use a couple, at least a couple of real ones? And then maybe for the herd shots, they use CGI, but no, I think they're completely CGI. Uh, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. Uh, there's just. Like there was another show that I was kind of excited about. Um, if you're familiar with uh, C.J. Box's um, series of novels, uh, Joe Pickett. Um, I I don't remember. I don't know how many there is now, but I read probably 10, 11, 12 of those books. And I got to a point where it kind of just, I don't want to say it, it kind of jumped the shark where I was like, I, I, I can't, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to follow these books anymore. <clears throat> and but there were some really good books in there like uh, the first few books were really good like really caught my attention it's about a game warden in uh in wyoming and he's always getting caught up in like these like murder mysteries and, and stuff and i really enjoyed those and about the same time maybe a little bit before i discovered those uh, i got into the longmire books the craig johnson longmire books. i was in the longmire like way before it was a Netflix show, like before it was cool. And, uh, I've actually, uh, corresponded with, with Craig Johnson a little bit. Uh, he's a really super cool guy. Uh, fun, fun, quick story aside. Uh, they were just getting the Netflix show 
picked up. Like it had just become a thing. Or no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Netflix. It was on uh, was it A and E at the beginning. It was on a, a network, <clears throat> and it was just getting like green lit. Like they were getting ready to do it, and Craig was trying to get in touch with the guy that made makes his hats. You know, Craig has his own hats made, his cowboy hats, and he was trying to get in touch with the guy that makes his hats, and he was like trying to get that guy to do the hats for the show and he and he uh like on facebook not a message he uh, like you know he's an older guy i don't i don't he probably didn't quite get how it works and uh he messages or posts to the the hat maker guy like call me and then puts his phone number on there and uh i sent him a little message i'm like hey craig uh everybody can see that that you know like you don't want your phone number out there. And he, he, he messaged me. He's like, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, I took it down. Um, and then I was like kicking myself. Cause I'm like, I didn't, I could have saved his phone number and I would have had Craig Johnson's phone number. But, um, anyway, that, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And we've had a couple of little, little, uh, asides back and forth. Uh, he, he's, uh, he comes up to Alaska every year, uh, for like a fishing trip or something. And I, I've always like tried to get him to, I'm like, if you're ever at Homer, Look me up. I'll, uh, I'll buy you a beer or something. But uh, I that was that really went off track. So we're talking about the caribou. Sorry. And they were CGI. And Joe Pickett got picked up uh, for a series. And it. Um, by the way, the Longmire books are still really good. Like still chugging along. Still buy them as soon as they come out. Uh, just read the the one uh, that came out this summer. I thought it was excellent. Um, but anyway, the, the Joe Pickett books got picked up for a series and we watched, I think the first episode and of course he's a game warden. So he's dealing with a lot of game issues and the first issue, the first uh, issue, the first episode, uh, there's like, I think it might be, this is, a, I think it's a, it's supposed to be an elk. There's like an elk that he like interacts with that like runs by him or something. And it's just this cgi fakest looking elk and uh kind of takes me out of the out of, out of the the series especially i guess maybe because i've i've dealt with so much real life wildlife that looking at fake wildlife like really bugs me there's like that uncanny valley in there maybe somebody that's never seen a real life elk would is like oh that's pretty cool but for me it was just like ooh, not digging it and uh there were some other factors uh, that kind of made me like, uh, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with this. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, the, the CGI caribou, uh, when I saw that, I was like, Ugh, not off to a good start. Uh, then we, we go to like a, it's a research state, like an Arctic research station. Uh, it's kind of funny because if you know, if you know, you know, <laughs> uh, and this research station is, it looks like, um, it looks like some kind of like tech headquarters or something like, like it would be like Google headquarters. Uh, but most buildings like that, that are built in the Arctic, uh, you have to have some sort of like permafrost offset. They have to be on stilts or they have to be like up off the ground. And this place looked like it was just like built onto the ground. It just, for whatever reason, it just, it looked off to me. Like, eh, I don't think that's really how that building would look in real life. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a exact copy of that building somewhere here in Alaska. 
uh, past the Arctic Circle. But I just I felt like man, it, it doesn't it doesn't look like that Arctic slope. It just doesn't have the Arctic slope look to it. Uh, if you've ever been up to the North Slope and, and seen the buildings up there, they all kind of have a, a similar a similar uh, vibe, and they're all like offset up off the ground. Uh, but um, got uh, some real like John Carpenter the Thing vibes from it. You know, a bunch of dudes at the station. Um, in fact, uh, they're watching they're watching a, a show, and when it shows the uh, their little entertainment center there there's like a sack of dvds and like the first dvd you see is the thing so that was a cool little nod um you know like a a really really cool like wink wink uh to to the audience i think i appreciate stuff like that i'm a big fan of easter eggs and we don't really get to know any of these guys there's there's kind of a a, i don't want to call it a montage but there's kind of like you see there's like Several guys, in fact, I had trouble keeping track. There's like, I think there ends up being eight of them. Is there a seven or eight? And so you get the feeling, okay, there's a lot of guys here. They're kind of all doing their own thing. Some of them's doing like laundry. Some of them are cooking. Some of them are watching the TV. Uh, Some of them are like listening to music and stuff. Like they're all just like doing stuff. And one of them kind of starts having a, a, a... seizure or he does he's like does has this weird fit and he goes she's awake and it made me think back to the previous scene with the caribou where they all like run off the the cliff or whatever i've kind i feel like they're going for like a harp type situation vibe here uh and for those of you that don't know harp is a research station up here in alaska that's um can't remember what it stands for something like high altitude aerial reconnaissance project or something like that if that's exactly what it stands for i'll be freaking shocked but uh it's it stands for something like that it's h-a-a-r-p and uh there's a long history of conspiracy theories surrounding it uh everything from it's uh its purpose is to control the weather, to mind control, to everything else. And I, I just, I kind of got the, those kind of vibes. Like they're going for something like that. Like this, there's something going on with uh, the atmosphere or there's some, you know, I, I didn't really get so much of a supernatural vibe from it as I did a, um, like a harp type vibe from it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And anyway, our research station guys, they, they end up go, they, they disappear. So, uh, a delivery man shows up like three days later, nobody's in the research station, or at least that's what it seems. There is like, it seems like somebody does like run past a corridor or something. It's like, Oh, what was that? And then the guy like gets kind of creeped out, <clears throat> finds a, uh, severed tongue on the floor. And uh, we get uh, introduced to our main protagonist uh, at this point. Uh, Jodie Foster's character is the, I believe she's the chief of police of a small town called Ennis, which sounds like, an, it's a, this is all based on um, a fictional, around a fictional place. Uh, it is above the Arctic Circle. Uh, I, I, from what I understand, I think they gave some lat launch uh, coordinates. But I, I think they're they're 
they're they're bunk. I don't think they're they're correct. Uh, but I think that maybe that it's supposed to be maybe around Point Hope or something. I, I don't know. Uh, I've heard I've heard it was supposed to be by Point Hope, and I've heard that they don't correspond to anything. And I think it's kind of an amalgamation of of places. Seems like a pretty big city. <clears throat> I'm using big and quote fingers here uh, because you obviously have multiple officers. I mean, there's three officers uh, at the research station. There's uh, Jodie Foster's character. Uh, there's uh, a young. I got the impression he's a rookie, a young gentleman named Pete. And then an older uh, gentleman who's Pete's father. And uh, I can't remember his name, but their names, their last name's Pryor. And I kind of got the feeling maybe, you know, Father Pryor had been around for, for a while. Uh, was probably a little miffed that Jody Foster's character was the chief. Uh, maybe at one point he had been the chief or... Uh, felt he, you know, got passed over for chief. And there's three officers there at the scene. And later on, when they go back to the police department, it looks like a fairly decent sized police department. So it looks like there's like maybe, I mean, we don't, we have no idea. It could just be like four or five officers, but I got the impression there was probably like 10 or 12 officers um, for the size of the department they had. <clears throat> and you know, that's, that's a lot by Alaska, by a small town, Alaska standards. Uh, I kind of got the feeling they were going for like a, a, a Barrow, like gnome kind of Kotzebue feel. Um, it definitely seemed like it was an amalgamation of different Alaska towns. And, um, you know, being, uh, fr from, prior law enforcement in a small Alaska town, there were definitely some beats in the move or in the, in the show where I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that feels a hundred. That's a, that brings back memories. That's like a hundred percent, uh, correct. Um, there's also the other protagonist is, um, uh, a state trooper, uh, named, uh, Navarro. Uh, not so far, not, not a huge fan of hers. Um, she, she definitely seems, very uh aggro very aggressive you know uh she's got piercings like in her nose and her face which i'm pretty sure is against trooper regulation uh i know they've maybe relaxed some tattoo standards i knew i knew some troopers that had like full sleeve tattoos but um i don't think they're allowed to have beards and i'm pretty sure they're not allowed to have facial piercings and plus that just seems like a complete liability when you're in a a fight or a self-defense situation. It's like, you don't want anything on you that people can grab onto and pull out of you or use to pull you around. Uh, even long hair, long beards, uh, not a good idea in law enforcement. So I can overlook that though. Her uniform uh, does look like it's pretty accurate. Um, I haven't got a super good look at it. It, it just kind of seems like, um, standard trooper uniform. She's got a vest carrier, which most of them wear. Uh, I feel like some people did their homework, uh, with this, you know, it's, I did hear maybe there was some, uh, some native input from, uh, some producers. I know the, the writer and director is not native. She's uh, actually Latina, but, uh, there was definitely some stuff here and there where I was like, it just kind of took me out of the, like much like the CGI, uh, caribou. I was kind of like, what? 
there's a point where uh, Trooper Navarro is talking to somebody and they twice and they call her agent, which makes no sense to me. The only thing I can think, I think that probably what that's from, that's probably from an earlier draft of the script where she was supposed to be like an FBI agent or something. And then it got switched over to like Trooper at some point because they were like, well, Trooper would probably be more believable or more Alaskan. And they just forgot to like change that word in the script. Somehow it sw- slipped by them and it made it into the final show, which you would think that the character who was playing the Trooper would be like, or they, they call their state troopers agents. Like that doesn't make any sense, but I guess that's not something that really like not initiated people would really think about or care about, but it really, it really took me off guard because uh, most of the place, mo- most places, if you screw up and call like a, a trooper officer, they'll correct you. It's trooper. You know, it's, it, it's trooper Baxter. It's not officer Baxter. It's trooper Baxter. Um, or if you call them trooper and they're a sergeant, it's sergeant. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was, that kind of took me off guard a little bit. That was a little bit of, a um, pulling me out of the world, pulling me out of the, the moment, uh, much like the CGI caribou. Uh, she gets word that the, uh, oh, that's another thing. So when we meet her, she's responding to a, um, assault at a cannery which i'm pretty sure there's no canneries that far north but whatever i mean i understand i I think we just have to take that you know okay this is a fictional area like what if and she's responding to an assault there she ends up getting into an altercation with a, a, a guy that's larger than her and basically like takes him down no problem gets him handcuffed so much and has such control over him that she's able to answer the phone while she's like escorting him away uh, that was a little, a little unbelievable. Uh, I mean, at that point, you know, you're like, I'm going to get this dude like to safety. Then I'll answer the phone. You know, once I get him secured in my patrol car, uh, you know, that's not really something you want to do. Or maybe if you can talk on the radio, but you don't want to talk on the phone while you're dealing with a, with a, with a prisoner. Uh, and that, and I thought like, you know, I know, I know there's a saying like one trooper, one riot, but honestly, uh, most of the time, uh, when state troopers have to respond to something like that, there's, there's usually a couple of them. Every once in a while, there'll be a situation where there's one trooper that has to go, uh, respond to something like that. And, you know, I've been in those situations myself, <clears throat> but for the most part, you know, troopers, you know, they, they roll in mass. Um, but you know, whatever, like, you know, we're going to have to suspend some disbelief for this, I guess. So she gets word that the, uh, research guys are missing. Uh, she shows up apparently, uh, this tongue that was found at the research station. Uh, Jodie Foster's character says, I believe this tongue belongs to a native woman. Cause there's some, uh, characteristics about the tongue and, Somehow Navarro finds out about that. She's got a cold case that she's kind of obsessed with where a native woman was killed and her tongue was removed. And um, she ends up like wanting in on the investigation, basically. Uh, she We learned she used to be uh, with Ennis police. And I guess uh, worked this cold case so aggressively that it pissed some people off and... Uh, you know, it's funny cause she's, and she talks about how, like, well, you told me to transfer to the troopers and you know, that 
you know, law enforcement agencies aren't like, they just don't pass people around. Like occasionally you can, like I could work for like this police department and I could go be put on loan to like a task force and technically work with this other agency, but I would still belong to my police department. If I wanted to go work for another agency, I would have to put in an application and basically go through the entire hiring process and get a job. Uh, but a lot of times on, on TVs and movies, I always make it seem like, oh, I just, I'm going to go work for this police department now. You know, you just transfer over. Like it's the same, it's all the same place. It's just, you know, now I'm, instead of working here, I'm going to go work over there. Uh, and that's not, <clears throat> not the, the way it is at all. You actually have to um, apply and get hired and have interviews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes if you're already an officer somewhere else, they call that a lateral transfer. And that just means your hiring process might be a little abbreviated. Like, okay, you've already had a polygraph. You've already had, you know, we know you, you know, you're going to be a pa pass a drug test, all this stuff. So maybe, you know, you just have to meet these requirements instead of like do everything that a brand new hire would do. But, uh, it's still kind of irksome, you know, cause she was like, I had to transfer to the, you didn't transfer to the troopers. You went and worked, you applied for the troopers. <clears throat> so she, she's presser, pre, Navarro is pressuring Jody Foster, um, to find out if this tongue belongs to her cold case victim, which is several years in the past. And the tongue, I guess, shows no sign of decay or whatever. But again, well, I guess, you know, if you're talking about a environment where everything's cold all the time, I guess it's possible. So they have to talk, uh, they have to send it off to the lab in Anchorage, which was super accurate all the time. Uh, I think the most, I, I bet probably next episode, they're probably going to get the results back, which is going to be the mo most unrealistic thing ever because, and honest, honestly, it would probably be like six months <laughs> to get like DNA results back or something. Like by the time I would get DNA results back on a case, I would have forgotten about it. I'd be like, what, what, what results? What case is this? Who is this? And then I have to go back and look and be oh, yeah, I sent that off like a year and a half ago. Like I've moved on since then. Things have transpired. <coughs> So we'll see. We'll see how fast it takes them to get those results back. Uh, and then uh, let's see what else uh, happens. So it's been a long time since I watched True Detective season one with uh, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. But I really, I remember really enjoying it. Uh, but I also remember there was a really like creepy cult vibe to it. You know, there was some like ritualistic type killings and it was very um right on the edge of kind of like supernatural like it was i think there was maybe a scene or two where um matthew mcconaughey's mcconaughey mcconaughey uh where his character like sees something or there was like some birds or something that would like form a, a symbol but he also talks about how like he used to be in a narc unit and he like fried his brain with drugs or whatever. So there's like, oh, well maybe that he's just having a flashback or this is like some kind of residual acid trip. Uh, so they never really leaned into the super. They, they hinted at the supernatural, but they never leaned into it. Well, with this, they, with season four, episode one of True Detective, and I can't speak for any of the other seasons because I haven't seen them. Uh, they lean pretty heavily into the supernatural, like going so far as to 
basically, there's a, a woman. We're not really, exp uh, you know, we, we get her name, but they don't explain like who she is, what her, what she does, who she. She basically looks up and sees a gentleman. She's uh, gutting a wolf, which was I thought was kind of weird. Uh, I don't know if the wolf was CGI or not, but it definitely wasn't real. And she looks up and she sees a man standing in front of her. Is I mean, she's dressed in a parka. It's cold. The snow's blowing. And this guy's like wearing like a long sleeve shirt and is barefoot. And she's like, what do you want, Travis? And it was pretty obvious when they showed that dude that he's dead. Because it's like there's no way he can survive out in those temperatures wearing what he's wearing. Uh, pretty obvious, at least to me, I thought that he was dead. And later on, he leads her to uh, some bodies of the, some of the missing scientists. And uh, Navarro, you know, asks her, like, how did you find them? And the woman says, Travis showed me. And Navarro says, Travis is dead. And it confirms what we suspected earlier, that he was dead. Uh, so, you know, the lady is straight up seeing ghosts. Uh, now it might, they might go back and explain later on that she wasn't really seeing a ghost. There's something going on like with the harp or whatever they're alluding to, uh, that made her think she saw a ghost. I don't know. Uh, but as of right now, this first episode they're you know, they went straight up like he's a ghost and he knew where the bodies were. <laughs> so that was a little strange. That was an odd choice. Um, I, I, it makes me wonder, like, are there people that are, like, checking out, like, oh, pfft, there's, you know, this isn't realistic. There's, like, ghosts and shit running around. Like, I'm done. You know, this is a horror movie. This is supposed to be a detective story. And just check out. <clears throat> um, it definitely has, they definitely, like, went for kind of, like, a missing 411 vibe. Uh, not out and out saying it, but it definitely, like, has a... I mean, you talk, you've got Alaska, you know, it's creepy, it's winter, you've got missing people, like, you know, which is one of the things Alaska is kind of known for is, is people going missing. Although those numbers are, I think, greatly exaggerated and, and not necessarily correct, uh, not adequately reflected. Uh, we can talk about that another time. But yeah, they, they straight up went into, you know, full ghost mode and they may they may walk that back later on uh but i i, I kind of don't feel like it i don't i don't think they will um i'm curious to see where it goes uh there was another scene i thought that was pretty cool where jody foster is driving her daughter i don't know if it's her daughter or like stepdaughter they don't really explain it um that she's definitely like jody foster's daughter is definitely like native or part native uh which made me think maybe it's a stepdaughter or <clears throat> something like that i don't her adopted daughter i don't know but she's driving this daughter home and she almost gets in a car accident lady uh drives through an intersection a red light in front of her plows into like a light pole or something and jody foster gets out and of course has to like go into cop mode and it just i was like oh god that brings back memories because there's been when um I worked on St. Paul Island. There was a couple of instances where basically I had my wife with me and was like giving her a ride somewhere and something would happen and I would have to like, oh, okay, hold on. I got to go like deal with this. 
And uh, one of them was like a, a DUI type situation like this, although the guy didn't almost hit us. But uh, it was definitely something similar, and it brought back memories. Uh, you know, like when you're in a very small town uh, and you're the police department, sometimes, you know, things, you know, your life overlaps with your job, and there's just not really anything you can do about it. And, of course, she knows the lady. She knows the lady that almost hit her. You know, she gets pissed off at her because I'm sure because her daughter was in the car. But, um, yeah, that was, that was, again, one of those moments where I was like, yep, been there. Um, but yeah, you know, the first episode, it was just enough kind of to keep me, uh, intrigued. I'm definitely going to keep watching, um, at least for a little while. We'll see. There, there could be a couple things that happen that just make me go like, nope, never mind. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Uh, there's definitely some, some Alaska centric stuff in there where I know like Alaska people had, uh, input or at least somebody that's been to Alaska it makes me wonder like, cause I know these shows get basically, you know, filmed a long time ago. You know, they, they get, it was probably filmed like last year, you know, a couple of years ago, probably even during COVID. And it makes me wonder like when, did, did somebody come up here and like research and like go like to Barrow or go to the, uh, to dead horse or something like that and, and do research and like ask questions and talk to it maybe go for a ride along with the police. Like did that, did that happen? You know, or is it just somebody that's lived up here, uh, ends up on the production team and it's just like, Oh no, that's not accurate. It's more like this. Uh, just, it just makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if, uh, they got permission uh, from the state troopers to, to use a state trooper uniform and stuff like that? Or, you know, do they have any input? Uh, or do they just, you know, look at pictures on the internet of state Alaska state troopers and be like, ah, we'll, we'll do that. Cause I know she's not wearing the hat, but, uh, you know, when it's that cold, you don't have to, you can wear like a winter hat. <clears throat> so it would be interesting if, if we see her in her dress uniform at some point during the show. And if she's got the uh, campaign hat on, uh, Let's see. I feel like there was something else I wanted to touch on. I like, um, I like the creepy ambiance. Uh, oh, there was a scene where, uh, the rookies, I believe it's his little daughter, uh, is drawing a picture and it looks like it's uh, kind of like a scary monster lady. And she's holding, it looks like, I think she's holding tongues. You don't, we don't really get a really good look at the picture. Uh, and he says something to his wife who's native about like, Oh, is your grandma or is your mom, you know, telling her stories about, and it's scaring her. And I, I got a feeling this is going to come back. You know, this is what they call foreshadowing in the, in the business, uh, where we're going to learn that there's some native legend about, uh, a creature that, that takes steals tongues or takes tongues or something like that. And it's going to be, uh, the question of like, is that really what's going on? Is that who killed that girl, you know, and took her tongue? Uh, <clears throat> but I, I got a feeling it's going to be uh, a very human culprit to that murder. Uh, I feel like uh, the, well, let me, let me give some predictions. Uh, I feel like that uh, 100% the, the, native the cold case uh, the native woman was killed by a a person a man 
Uh, and then the the strange goings on, like the caribou herd, the the strange uh, things that were affecting the the um, caribou herd, and then the the scientists were they were like she's awake or whatever. And that I feel like that is going to be some kind of uh that's gonna have something to do with like climate change or pollution like it's gonna somehow probably circle back to that the mine that they talk about where everybody in the town works or whatever it's gonna have something to do with that or pollution or something it's it's gonna be some kind of man-made thing it's not gonna be like a monster or something natural it's, it's going to definitely come back to something that people are doing, uh, probably uh, illegally. And I, I feel like that's where that's going to go. Um, but who knows? I mean, we've already seen a ghost, so who knows where they're going to go with it. Maybe there is a, a creepy uh, legend of a, of a person walking around cutting out tongues, and that's what it's going to be, is some kind of ghost. <laughs> a ghost, a tongue-cutting ghost. Um I haven't, obviously they haven't told us on the show what that legend is supposed to be. Uh, I would be surprised if it's an actual thing. It's probably something they've made up, I think, for the show. Uh, I'd be surprised, very surprised. I don't think they're probably, you're probably not going to hear them name any specific uh, natives or native groups. Um, You know, most people in the lower 48 uh, think that all native Alaskans are Eskimos, which is which is not the case at all, but uh, you know they don't know any different down there. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of betting they're not they're not they're not going to throw that in. They're not we're going to confuse people if we start talking about the different types of natives in Alaska. So it's just everybody's just Alaska native. <clears throat> so I'm I'm guessing they're probably not going to use any one particular native myth. Um, they're, if anything, they might use like an amalgamation of them, uh, a couple of different ones. But my guess is they probably just made something up that's going to fit um, what they need for the show. You know, because the lady, had, the the victim had her tongue removed and they're going to probably go with that. Uh, we'll see. You know, it, it kind of depends on the level of, um, you know, how realistic they keep it. There, there's some, some things that I can overlook and there's other things where I'm just like, nope, I can't, I can't, you know, that's too much. I can't, uh, I can't go that far. Obviously the ghost is fine. I'm fine with the ghost being there. It's a little weird. I think a little odd choice for the tone of the show. Uh, but who knows? Like I said, they might walk it back and explain it away, uh, is something, uh, that's affecting people's mind, like a harp type project or, uh, some kind of, uh, toxic waste from the mine or something like that it's some kind of hallucination brought on by pollution uh we'll see i'm I'm kind of curious uh to see what they do with it i'm sure by the end of the season we'll we'll know who killed uh the cold case victim uh there's some scenes from the trailer where navarro's telling jody foster's character like oh we're so close like we're right there um there, there was a scene, there was a, a moment where, where Jodie Foster was talking about Navarro working the the cold case and she was like, you were like pestering people that worked at the mine, uh, the the 
some late she dropped name dropped some lady who I assume is like one of the power players at the mine. And uh, it sounds like she complained and basically like pressured Navarro out of the out of the Ennis Police Department. And uh, I kind of felt like, well, you know, like granted, if Navarro was like harassing this woman for no good reason, then you know, I kind of get it. But at the same time, I almost feel like you know Jodie Foster's character was just like, oh, we're just not going to find out who killed her. You know, like this place killed Ennis killed her. You know, it's just. And I was like, that's kind of a shitty attitude to have. Like, that's kind of a weird, like, oh, well, you know, who knows? Oh, well, she's just dead. <laughs> I give up. Um, I, I kind of feel like that was a weird sentiment to have, uh, especially for, for a police chief, uh, you know, which granted, I know it happens quite a bit. You know, there's a lot of uh, police administrators out there that are just like, you know, let's not rock the boat. Let's just keep things status quo. And, you know, let's not look into that too much because we don't want to upset the city council or the city <clears throat> administrators or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, this is a vicious murder. We should probably uh, look into it. But there was a scene where uh, Navarro's saying, like, if it was a white woman, you know, you would have been looking into it. And Jodie Foster, I think her name is, is it Danvers? Like, claps right back at her like, yeah, well, you know what? I wasn't here and you were, you know, you're the one that was supposed to be looking into this, not me. And I thought that was a pretty cool exchange um, uh, because, I mean, they they both kind of have a point. Uh, but Jodie Foster was like, bitch, I wasn't even here. Like, I didn't even work here at that point. <clears throat> so I could... I could, it was almost, I was like, I could probably see that conversation like actually happening in real life. There's a, there's a big, um, I don't want to get too controversial, but there, there's a big to do about missing and, and, and murdered, uh, indigenous women and how there's not a lot done about it. Uh, but at the same time, working with some of these communities, uh, they can be extremely, uh, distrusting and tight lipped and, it gets kind of hard uh, when, when you're trying to work a case and nobody really wants to, you know, nobody wants to tell you what they know because they don't really want to be the one that gets somebody in trouble and everybody's related to each other. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a challenging environment, you know, and people have barriers uh, that they don't want to break um, when they talk to the police. And uh, then, you know, you don't have somebody there, all the time, especially in a lot of these smaller communities, there's not a police officer there 24 seven and it gets challenging to work these cases. Like a lot of cases like that, like you need somebody there 24, you need somebody that lives there basically to, to work the case. And there isn't anybody available to go there and work the case. So it, it's, it's challenging. And, and, you know, living in the, that place, that place, Alaska and, and dealing with some of those exact things, you know, I could, I could talk about it for a long time. Uh, I've, I've threatened several times to start a uh, law enforcement based podcast. Uh, but right now I can't even keep up with, with this one. So we'll, we'll see <clears throat> maybe someday, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to keep watching. Um, I hope that they give us the viewer enough information to, solve the mystery along with the protagonist that's one of my big pet peeves something i can't stand 
is when at the end you think, okay, well, I think I might have it figured out. I think it might be this person or I think it might be that person. And then they just drop something on you that's like, oh, oh no, this happened. But you didn't know about it. And that proves that this person did it. And I'm like, well, what? The? You know, it almost feels like a waste of time. Like I was, I was like paying attention, gathering all these clues. And then at the very end, you drop this knowledge bomb on me that I had no way of knowing because you didn't show me. And there's no way it was impossible to solve this mystery. And I love mysteries where you get all the information that the and protagonists get, you get, and you get to solve the mystery along with the protagonist. Um, there's, uh, what was the, the last Haunting in Venice, I think, uh, the Poirot movie, I thought uh, did a very good job of that. Basically, all the information that Poirot got, you got. He didn't have any extra information and you could solve the mystery along with him which i did i by the end of the movie i think before he like revealed who the killer was i paused it i told my wife i'm like that's who it was i think maybe she had figured it out too um but it was that's a good mystery a mystery that you can solve yourself along with the protagonist uh, not one that lies by omission um so anyway, let's hope that's what we get, at least for my sake, because if it turns out that it's not that way and I get to the last episode and they pull that, I'm going to be super pissed. Um, I will, like I said, I'm not going to do each individual episode. Uh, this is for the first episode, and then I'm going to probably do a series wrap-up when it's all said and done. Uh, we'll talk about how uh, realistic it was, like did they get things right, did they get things wrong, uh, I'll try to remember to take notes as I watch the episodes. I actually wanted to watch this episode uh, again uh, before I did this, but I just, did, I just didn't get the chance. I didn't get time to. Uh, and I wanted to get it out before the second episode came out, which is this weekend. <clears throat> but uh, I think, hopefully, if they, if they maintain the level of... Um, accuracy that they've got so far i think it'll end up being a pretty good show uh kind of depends on how far they decide to go with the supernatural stuff uh which i'm okay with a little bit but i i you know it, it depends on how far they want to go with it i'm a little i'm a little uh worried i, I want to see i want to know more about this travis person that's dead that showed uh the lady where the bodies were uh we didn't i didn't really talk about the bodies the bodies seemed like they were frozen um from i'm not sure if they're bodies or if they're parts of bodies because all we saw basically is head and hands sticking up out of the ice uh so i guess we'll find out next episode whether they're actual bodies in the ice or if they're parts of the bodies on the ice um that will kind of go I guess until if it's parts of bodies, then I think we're definitely dealing with murder. If it's the entire bodies, then I think maybe we could still uh, have my, my theory of the um, mind control or harp thing, I think might uh, might still be an option. So we'll see. Uh, I'll see you back at the end of the season for the wrap up. Uh, if this is your first time watching, I um this is the Last Watch Podcast. My name is Beans Baxter. I talk about all things cryptid in the great state of Alaska. Uh, I have a website, lastwatchpodcast.com. You can go there. Uh, you can purchase uh, some of my books uh, and other uh, knickknacks and shirts and stuff. Helps keep me and this whole operation running. 
and helps fund my search for cryptids in Alaska. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff coming up this summer uh, that will divulge in a later episode. Uh, but remember, the last episode, the last episode of 2023, I said I had a sign-off. I've been, I don't know how long I've been doing this podcast. I'm always just like, uh, bye, see you later. And like it takes me 20 minutes to sign off because I don't really have a sign-off. And I thought about it, and I, I, I figured it out. I know what I'm going to use from now, from now on. Uh, I, I couldn't really think of anything like Alaska-related, uh, but... You know, if you if you're familiar with uh, where this design comes from, then you'll get it. So anyway, uh, this is Beans. I'll talk to you later, and uh, in the meantime, the Beans abides. Mm-hmm.